Well, praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry once again coming to you with the Word of God. And again, we're going to dive into the book of Acts. And again, we're going to start with chapter 1. All right, chapter 1. And I'm going to, going to go to verse 12. Amen. And it says this, then they, when, pardon me, then they returned to Jerusalem. Talking about the disciples here. Okay, the disciples returned to Jerusalem uh, from the mount called uh, Olivet, okay, which is near Jerusalem. Uh, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, uh, they went up into the upper room where they were uh, staying at. Okay, and Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son uh, Alphaeus, and uh, Simeon, uh, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Uh, these all continued with one accord, here we go, in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And of course, uh, we know that this group grew to 120. In fact, I think the next verse brings out that grew to 120. Now, the point is that I'm going to talk about today is this phrase here in verse 14, and they all continued with one accord, amen, in prayer and supplication. All right, they all continued, here we go, with one accord, okay? What does that mean? Well, one accord means unanimously, it means with one mind or one purpose or one voice, okay? It means in unison. That's a key word there, in unison or in unity, amen, without. Here we go, without, in unity, without. Here we go, division, okay? All right, so we're talking about being in one accord. Now that today is, uh, you know, in this session anyway, is my topic, okay, to talk about being in one, one accord and what it means to be in one accord and why do we want to be in one accord, all right? Because sometimes there's some confusion around that, all right? And so today, that's what I want to dive into, the importance of unity or the importance of being in one accord, okay? So with that said, let's go to chapter 2, all right, again, and we'll look at it again in verse 1 here. In fact, we could probably read a little few verses here. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, here we go, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, they weren't all in some little Honda, okay? That's not what that's what we're talking about, you know, some little one accord Honda here. We're talking about they're all united, all right? All right, they are all united. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Oh, hallelujah, all right? But it started here with them all being in one accord, all right? One accord. Now, we know that from the point of probably verse 14 of chapter 1 to verse 1 of chapter 2, there's approximately about a week's time in there Maybe, a, maybe maybe 10 days, but for the most part, about a week, all right? So, you know, we're not talking about just momentary uh, people being in one accord, but we're talking about they, they came together and united, praise God, and because they united, things began to happen. So you hang on to that, okay? Let's look at another reference, chapter 2, a little bit further down here. Let's go to like verse 46, all right? I know I'm skipping quite a bit. But today we're going to focus on uh, this one accord, all right? That's what I'm going to primarily read the verses about that, okay? Verse 46 of chapter 2 says this, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. In other words, there were things happening. Amen. There's power and unity, praise God. All right? Now, there's all kinds of references. Um, let me bring it, we'll quote you a few references, and I think just to save us a little bit of time, you can maybe write these down. Um, but anyway, it's uh, chapter 4, verse 24 is another reference about unity. Chapter 5, verse 12. Chapter 8, verse 6. Amen. Chapter 15 and verse 25. Now, these are just some you go back later and look. But every time you see unity, come on now, you see things begin to happen. All right. But I want to read you another reference here and kind of kind of flip the coin, so to speak, and show you something here. All right. So in chapter 7, let's go to chapter 7. 
And I'm going to go to verse, I think, 54, chapter 7 and verse 54 of Acts. And it says this, uh, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Now, what's going on is we've got some people pretty upset. Okay, we have, um, uh, you know, they're ministering the word here. And it's actually Stephen, okay, is, is ministering the word. And everybody around there getting all upset with some things he's saying. Okay, it says they were cut to the heart and gnashed at him with their teeth, which means they got pretty mad. Okay, but he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. Literally like, yeah, just, I'm tired of hearing this, you know. And it said that they ran at him with one accord. All right, there's that key word. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, okay? Anyway, the point I'm trying to make, you say, well, that don't sound like a fun vo- a verse or a good verse. Well, no, but it, nevertheless, it's a verse, right? It's, it's, it's part of the Word of God. And what I'm, the reason I, I thought it's worthy of reading that, okay, is I'm trying to show you the power of unity, the power of being in one accord, and that can work for you or work against you. All right, you need to see that. As I said earlier, I gave you several references, about a half a dozen references about, you know, on a positive side of unity, and there's power, there's signs, there's wonders, there's miracles uh, that God adds to the church daily, all that's wonderful stuff. But then we've got some negative verses, okay, I'm just going to call them that, negative verses, all right, where you see things happening, amen, because of being in one accord or unity, but not a good thing, all right? We have other references. Please write these down, if you will. In chapter 12, verse 20, chapter 18, verse 12, and chapter 19, and verse 29, okay? Now, the reason I'm giving you these is because I'm trying to show you the power of unity, all right? You can either get it working for you or against you. Now, we all see this at work. Now, especially at this day and hour that we're in, Okay, we see we see it on the on the good side. We see it on an evil side. See it on a positive and on a negative side. People that unite and what can get done when people unite for the good thing, for the things of God, they can get they can get somewhere. They can get some things done. Sometimes that's been the problem uh, we've had uh, in times past with the church. You just can't get them united. There seem to always got there are all these things you know that keep them separated, and it's and it's a ploy of the enemy. Because if you unite, you'll run things. All right? That's just the facts. All right? So God's trying to get you united, and the enemy's trying to keep you divided. Well, because a house divided won't stand, according to uh, Matthew 12. All right? A house divided will not stand, Jesus said. All right? So the enemy tries to keep you divided. All right? Now, we see even on a negative side, okay, you see everything from people rioting and and uh, people, uh, you know, doing things that they got no business doing, but they unite. And when they unite, they, 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 things start happening. You know what I mean? Well, in that case, it's something on a negative side. So to me, I felt like by bringing that up, you kind of see, uh, even in a natural, you know, naturally speaking, uh, around us every day now, it seems like, you know, in, in, at least in, in our region and even in our nation, uh, things that are happening and I guess it isn't just in our nation. We see it around the world. But uh, uh, people that unite for the wrong reasons, amen, they accomplish things, but it ain't good, all right? So what we need to remember as a child of God, this is why I'm bringing all this out, okay, is the importance of uniting. If we will unite, amen, we can get things done, amen. Praise God, that's what it's about. We want to we want to get this job done so we can go home. Praise God, Amen, Hallelujah. So it takes a people of God willing to unite. Now we see the references of that chapter one, chapter two, and on, Amen. Where the power of God came as a result, Amen. I believe, Amen, that if it wasn't for the unity, you might not have saw some things. All right, but the unity brought power. The unity. Amen. Brought 
uh, a force, amen, got things done, accomplished, amen. And on the good side, we saw the signs, the wonders, the miracles, God adding to the church, amen. Of course, I've repeated myself there a little bit, but the bottom line is, this is what we're talking about today, about being of one accord or with one accord or united. Now remember the definition for that phrase, amen, means unison without division. Okay, so when we're talking about being united, it's without division. Okay, now hopefully I can explain some of that for you today. All right? So with that said, let's go to the book of Ephesians, okay? The book of Ephesians, amen. Hallelujah. And I'm going to go to chapter 4. And I'm going uh, to go to verse 13. For just sake of time, and he's talking about, you know, the fivefold ministry, um, you know, is there to equip the, the body of Christ, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of itself in love, it said in verse 12. But verse 13 says this, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, of course, I'm reading out of the New King James depending on what translation you have, they might have some of these words a little different. But what I like to do and what I normally do, at least my time with, uh, you, know, be, you know, with the word, I like to define things uh, because to me it unfolds it, it brings it out, brings it, brings it a little bit more into the light. So let's define some of this and give you an understanding about it. First and foremost, in this verse 13, it says, till we all come to the unity of the faith. And that word unity there. It, it just means oneness, okay? So it's talking about the same thing we've been talking about, about unison or oneness, okay? So till we all come to oneness or unity of the faith. Now that word faith, it means uh, dependence on God, okay? So what he's talking about here is not saying that we're all going to come, uh, you know, believe the same way per se, okay? It just says that we're all coming in uh, into unison, amen, of our dependence on God, all right? So whether we're talking about, you know, a smaller group or a larger group or the body as a whole, you know, your church body, or whether we're talking about the corporate body around the world, there's, there's power. The more united each group gets, the more power, right? But it talks about a oneness, all right, or a unity, come on now, uh, in the faith or in our dependence on God. You know, hang on, okay? Because then the next phrase says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, okay, and the knowledge. So somebody said, well, uh, you know, does that mean everybody's got to believe the same way? The word knowledge here, if you look it up, all right, it means acknowledgement, okay, acknowledgement. It also means recognition of. So now you now, now think about that. So till we all come to the unity of the faith and the acknowledgement or the recognition of the Son of God. Okay, so again, it's not really saying we're all going to agree on everything. And you got to almost get that out because, uh, you know, get that out of the picture because uh, there is no way you're going to get the whole body of Christ to believe the same thing. It ain't going to happen. But you can get the body of Christ to start looking to God, amen, as their dependence and acknowledging Jesus as Lord. You can get people united in that, amen. That's why sometimes even when you get out there and you got people that do, you know, different things, different events, they come from all kinds of backgrounds. They come from all, all kinds of faiths, all kinds of, uh, you know, denominations and all them little barriers seem to come down because they're all uniting, amen, in recognition of the Son of God, amen, on a God who's for you not a, and a God who'll never forsake you. People can unite on that, amen, and when they do, Things begin to happen. That's why a lot of times you get a move of God with these kind of things. Amen. You get, you get miracles, signs and wonders, depending on what kind of meeting it is. Amen. Sometimes it's just, just a force, this united force of people all heading in the same direction, praise God, depending on the type of event that goes on. You think about a church event, you know, our church service, I should say. When you come together as one, Amen. And, and everybody's on the same place. In the, you know, they got, they're all acknowledging Jesus as Lord. They're all acknowledging God as their source. Amen. It's amazing how much you can get done in a service, praise God. But when everybody comes in and they're all over the map, it's hard to get stuff done. Amen. 
So you have to understand what he's talking about in this verse. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the acknowledgement or knowledge of the Son of God. Here we go to a, here we go to a perfect man. That word there means complete. All right. It refers to the perfect man as a complete man in growth and character. It literally means moral character. Okay, because there are a lot of people out there who are characters, right? They may not be all moral. But anyway, the point is, it's talking about coming uh, in a complete place in their area of growth and moral character. Okay, so till, uh, here it goes, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, a complete in growth and moral character man, amen, to the measure of the stature. That word there literally means maturity, Okay, the stature, the maturity of the fullness of Christ. And that word there, uh, the word fullness itself means uh, completion. Okay, to the, so we're talking about the maturity or stature of the completion of Christ. Now, the reason I'm saying all that is because it's talking about uniting, okay, in the area of we're all going to grow up here. doesn't mean we're all in agreement, we're all in the same place. It just means we've all made the decision, Jesus is Lord. Amen. God's our source, and we choose to grow up. Okay? You get those kind of things, everybody on the same page there, I guarantee you, you're going to have power. All right? In fact, it goes on in that reference there. I'm not going to read it all, but it talks about not being children tossed to and fro. That's talking about immaturity. All right? And, and it goes on down. We're going to grow up into all things. It's talking about maturity, about growing, developing, coming out of an immature state into a mature state. Now, the reason I mentioned that, all right? All right, because today the Father is calling us. Now, hear this. The Father is calling us to a higher place. I believe this, to a higher place of, of, of spiritual uh, maturity. And that's a thing called unity. All right, now hear me, okay? He's calling us to a higher place, all right? A higher place of spiritual maturity. Because he says that as a child of God, We've got to grow up. We've got to not be up and down, in and out like some immature individual, all right? And one of those key things that's got to happen is we got to come into a place of unison without division. See, you can be in unison with people even though you may not agree 100% uh, uh, on the doctrine. We all have our belief systems. Now, please, I hope you're hearing this because to me this is a key. You want to get somewhere in your walk? You want to grow up? Then you better get a hold of this, okay? Because you're going to go out there with a bunch of strife, contention, division. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, chewing each other up and spitting each other out all the time. You think you're going to grow up? You ain't growing up. Man, you're still a baby, okay? It's time to get past all that. Amen. You don't have to get caught up in everything that's done, everything that's said. You don't have to, you don't have to agree with everything everybody says. Come on now. When we're talking about unity, we're talking about we've settled it. Jesus is our Lord. God's our source, praise God. And we choose to grow up, praise God. And sometimes, you know what? Bumping elbows with people you don't necessarily always agree with, amen, will help you grow up. I'm telling you, because you learn how to get along. You learn how to work with people, praise God. One of the problems that we have in the body of Christ, and I, I'm not mad, by the way, anyway, when nobody think I'm chewing you out or you know, you know, going to rebuke you here. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to show you that a lot of problems that we have in the body of Christ is you can't get people to get along. And so they all avoid each other. And they all say, well, you know, I, I'm not going to go because, I, uh, you know, I got to hang out with people. Well, duh, that's what it's all about. It's all about people. The Great Commission is all about uh, ministering to one another, reaching out to one another, coming together as one. That's what it's about. We're called to assemble. Amen. So if you're, you're, you don't want to do that because you want to be immature uh, and be upset with everybody, come on now, then what happens is see, you're never going to grow up. Because you have to unite. You have to come together. You have to assemble. That's why we got to come together. And with that, you're going to assemble with people that you don't always agree with. People that you don't maybe at one time didn't even like. Oh, some of you think, oh, I didn't want to hear that. You had to tell me that. Really? Yes, I had to tell you that. Because that's how this thing works. Amen. Sometimes, you know, you're there for a reason. It ain't just, uh, you know, just for you to 
you know, to receive something yourself. Sometimes you're about putting out, about helping, about reaching out. Amen. And sometimes, amen, in the midst of all of this, we grow up because we learn how to work with people. I remember one time, and I hope you don't mind my stories, you know, but, uh, you know, I don't want to bore you with these kind of things, but to me, it just, it just says a lot. I remember early on in, in pastoring, you know, I've been pastoring now uh, right at 30 years. I'm just uh, probably a few months shy of 30 years of, of senior pastorate, um, you know, did a lot of youth ministry prior to that. So 30 plus years of ministry here. And um, in the beginning of, of the pastorate, I had an individual in my church that I just quite frankly, they were a nuisance. Okay, they were just annoyance, maybe I could say even. I mean, every time they came around, I just, I just want to avoid them. I'd like to just kind of walk into the other room, you know, and you think, you know, and I'm the pastor, you know. I mean, I wasn't a good, a good witness. But the bottom line was this person just, just bugged me. And just their, their personality and how they said things and did things. And I kind of almost, you know, well, I, I didn't kind. I really, deep down, I was really hoping they'd just go to another church, you know. And, and it wasn't right. I'm not saying it was right. I'm just saying that that's just where I was at. And, and one day I was praying about it, and the Spirit of God brought to my attention that I was the problem. And I was like, what? Thinking, how am I the problem? You know, but he brought to my attention. He said, you, you need to pray for that individual. You're not praying for him enough. And I thought, what? What's that going to have to do with it? And, and, and so I, I, just, I, I just said, okay, I'm going to start praying for him. All right. Now, anyway, I mean, maybe you got similar stories, but I started praying for this individual, all right? And something happened. And really, it's, it's designed to work this way. So I'm, just, I'm just telling you here. So if you got people around you you don't care for, you know, smile real big at your neighbor. Now, don't, don't, not, don't, don't just smile. Anyway, the point is, amen, you might have people around you that maybe you're not, you know, okay, sometimes, sometimes not, you know, you might, whatever. If you start praying for them, all of a sudden your heart gets connected to them. And you know what happened to me with that individual? All of a sudden I began to see them in a different light. All of a sudden, didn't take long. I mean, we're talking about just a couple times in intercession and just lifting them up directly and praying all of a sudden, I began to see what they came out of and how God uh, did certain things in their life and, and how far they've come. Now, yeah, they had a ways to go yet, but man, how far they came. And all of a sudden, it's like I began to rejoice on how far they've come instead of being down with what they haven't got yet. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, the point is, it worked something in me. And all of a sudden, I realized, and, and that was one of those things that began to work in me, I realized that I could be in a place of unison without division with this individu individual, even though their personality had a little bit of a conflict thing, or, or I found out later that even people that didn't, don't have the same doctrine as I had or couldn't quite gel with how I saw things, whatever, I found that I can still walk in one accord with people, amen, being in, uh, in a place of unison or unity, come on now, with people without conflict, division, strife, contention. Come on now. And this is how it's supposed to work. Listen, if you want God to move, you got to grow up in these kind of areas. This is something you got to get a hold of, all right? Because it's critical if you want God to move in your life in some areas, all right? If you want to see God come in on the scene, you want to see God move in your church, you want to see God move in your household? You want to see God move in your state, your nation? We can go on and on and on and on and bring this thing. It's got to start with, a power, with the power of unity, all right? It's got to happen. This has to happen, all right? All right, let's look at uh, another reference here. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Hope you're doing okay here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, please. And... Um, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna start with verse one. I remember we're talking about being in one accord here. First uh, Corinthians three, verse one says, "And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people." I, man, isn't that something? That's pretty blunt, right? Paul was just being kind of in your face about it. I could not speak to you uh, as spiritual people, okay, but as carnal, fleshly, natural. Okay, 
the scene, moved by everything in the natural. So he's talking about you're, you're more carnal. He says, uh, uh, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, amen, or carnal people. Here you go, as to babes in Christ. Okay, this word here, it also means infant or immature. Okay, so now hang on to that. So now he's talking to the church at Corinth. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the body of Christ. All right, he's not talking to the world. Okay, and I want you to know he's not even talking to uh, necessarily, you know, like a, a, a young group of believers. He's talking to everybody here, all right, trying to say, listen, all right, I'm talking to all of you right now, okay, because you're all acting a little immature here, all right? Now, listen, all right, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now, you were not even able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. In other words, even now, I'm still not even sure you're ready for it yet, all right? <laughs> Hang on. He says, for you are still carnal, all right? You're still, amen, carnal. What's that mean? Fleshly. Again, you, you, it's always about natural fleshly things, all right? You're still carnal. Here we go. For where there, is, where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal? Here we go. Or fleshly, right? Again, and behaving like mere men, okay? So he's saying, listen, immaturity, all right, one of the ways, all right, about that, that separates immaturity with maturity is a thing called division, all right? Envy, strife, contention, dissension, discord, all these are words, synonyms of these words right here, all right? And he says that makes you immature, all right? Now, there's multiple things in the scripture that talk about ways of developing maturity in your life as far as your spiritual walk in God, all right? It's not based on how many years you've been saved, okay? That doesn't determine maturity or, uh, or anything like that, okay? In fact, you could be saved for 40 years and still be immature, all right? Still be hanging out in the nursery, so to speak. Now, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying it's a fact, okay? So maturity, there's a lot of things. Uh, one of the ways that maturity determines maturity is how well you're going to be led by God, how well you're going to follow God when He leads you. Okay, it's one of the ways. But this one, a key way, is about whether or not you're going to be in division or not, whether you're going to purpose to unite, okay, to be in unison, in one accord, or whether you're going to, you know, be caught up in all the natural things that causes you to be divided. That determines maturity or immaturity. In this text, all right, so let's look at some of this. I wanted to take a few minutes and define this verse, this verse 3 out a little bit, okay? And what does it all mean? All right, so again, like I usually do here, all right? <clears throat> and I, I got another statement for you. I hope you like it, but, uh, you know, maybe it's a little challenging. I don't know, maybe not. But I, I just want to say this. To walk in spiritual maturity, listen, to walk in spiritual maturity is to steer clear of immaturity. I hope you heard that. So in order to walk in a place of maturity, you're going to have to avoid some of these things that cause you to go down that immature road. Okay? Now you think about this and in, in some of these things, you know, strife and envy and, and division. And, uh, you know, it, it's not saying that sometimes a thought don't hit. Sometimes our thoughts, you know, somebody says something, does something, you, you know, your mind, oh, you know, I wish they, ah, oh, man, you know, your mind might, might want to do, you know, you might say, I'd love to give that person a piece of my mind, so to speak. Well, when you're thinking that way, that's the last thing you need to be doing is giving them a piece of your mind. But anyway, the point is, you know, sometimes people think that way, or I just need to get this off my chest or whatever, you know, the phrases that you hear, you know. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, okay, you need to steer clear of those kind of things. All right? It's better to start praying for those individuals. I'm not saying that there ain't a time that God doesn't give you an opportunity to maybe share your heart about some things, that happens. And praise the Lord for those times. And even at times, depending on what we're dealing with and depending on who we're dealing with, there might even be opportunities of times of correction to deal with some of these things. Absolutely. But I'm telling you that the first and foremost, if you're going to walk in a place of maturity as a child of God, you've got to steer clear of division. Envy, strife, contention, dissension, discord. You got to steer clear of this stuff, okay? 
You got to get your, your leadings and promptings from God. Amen. Start, amen. Start purposing, amen, to pray for people. Amen. Do your part to try to stay in a place of unity because if you can get things unified, you're more apt to see God move. And all that stuff that maybe upsets you might fall by the wayside if you will get to a place of unison, amen, without division. In other words, a place of one accord. If you could do that, you can do your part to do that. And the next guy does their part. And the next guy does their part. Pretty soon, you got God on the scene. Amen. You got an environment that's conducive for miracles, signs, and wonders. Praise God. And all of a sudden, instead of people leaving the church, you got people coming to the church. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. All right. So let's define some of this. So the word carnal of this uh, verse 3 here, okay, talks about you are still carnal, okay, means pertaining to the flesh, fleshly, natural, temporal, uh, unregenerate, okay, or non-spiritual, okay, just what the, how that defines that. Well, none of us want to have that. There ain't any of those words, any of those syn uh, synonyms in that definition uh, that, that we want to be a part of, all right? So I don't want to be considered carnal. You don't want to be considered carnal, okay? So uh, we don't want to be a carnal, all right? But it says, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions are, then you're carnal. So you have to understand, if I don't want to be carnal, then I'm going to have to avoid these next few things here. The word envy, let's look at it, okay? Envy, zealous. But it means to be uh, jealous. Actually, it means to be zealous for the wrong thing, all right? Just for whatever. But it means to be jealous, uh, to be jealous of or for, uh, for something. It means um, emulation, but that just means to mimic due to rivalry or competition. Okay, so emulation means to mimic due to rivalry or competition. So we don't need any of that. It means to begrudge, and that re refers to unfavorable. In other words, but it talks about zeal or heat or fervency, okay, but that means on a negative side. So in other words, it also means fervent mind, but that's referring to a fiery or burning in a bad way. Okay, now just get this. And then indignation, okay, which means disgust. Okay, so this word envy, okay, in fact, take the time, you go through it, you study that. All right, these are all things you want to avoid. All right, and I'm talking about all of this is on a negative side. So that's the word zealous or zeal, to be zealous or a zealot, okay, I mean, when you think about it, when it's for God, that's great. When you're, when you're passionate for God, that's great. But when you're passionate about, you know, being down with something or down with somebody or against somebody, okay, that's a wrong direction uh, for a, a, a zealous person to go. That's a wrong way. That is not what you want, and all you're doing is being carnal, okay? Now hang on to that. That means immature, okay? You want to be more of a mature individual? not an immature individual. So if you want to be mature, okay, you're going to have to steer clear of immaturity, which means what we're talking about here, all right? Zealous. Strife, okay, eris is the Greek word. It means to quarrel, wrangling, contention, debate, variance, self-seeking, or self-serving. Now you think about all that, okay? Those are all synonyms to this word strife, okay? James 3 says this, okay, in verse 16, it says this. It says, for where envy and strife are, now get this, where envy and strife are, or where they exist, pardon me, uh, confusion and every evil thing are there. Where envy and strife exist, confusion and every evil thing is there. Now, you just break that down, and I'm telling you what, when you get a revelation of that verse in, in, in James 3.16, I'm telling you, you will avoid strife because nobody wants confusion. That means you don't know what to do. Oh, what am I going to do? I mean, just, it just gets crazy, all right? And God's not the author of confusion. So if there's confusion in the mix, I'm telling you, God's not the author of it, all right? But it could be the reason confusion's in the midst because there's strife, all right? There's envy and strife there. There's, there's some form of contention, dissension, bickering, uh, debate, okay, all right? And that's a word, too, I get a little bit. A lot of people always want to debate things, debate the Scripture and stuff. And most of that stuff is all you're doing is open the door for the enemy. I mean, come on now, all right? And if you really want to know the truth, all these things here that are mentioned in this verse, all right? I'm talking about in, in 1 Corinthians and, I guess, and James 3. But uh, it, it's all part of the works of the flesh. Isn't that amazing? 
I mean, really all he's asking is avoid the works of the flesh. Okay? Contention, dissension, all that kind of stuff, all right? Heresies and, and uh, you know, all the different things that are mentioned there, uh, you know, in, in Galatians 5, you know, about the works of the flesh, all right? And so we want to avoid that. But some of the key stuff is strife, contention, envy, discord. I mean, these are all things that are, that are mentioned there. So uh, the scripture also says, in fact, I thought I'd go ahead and bring this out. Uh, I was kind of debating on it, but I think I'll bring it out. In Proverbs 20 and verse 3, it says this, It is honorable for a man to stop striving or getting in strife or contention. All right, It is honorable for a man to stop striving. Okay, the opportunity is there, but you choose not to. Now listen, it says this, since any fool can start a quarrel. I don't want to ever be considered a fool. So any fool can get in a, in a bickering match. Any fool can get in strife. But it's an honorable person that chooses to avoid it. Do whatever it takes to try to avoid that. Now, I'm not saying that there ain't times you're going to have to sit down and, and work something out with somebody. I get it. But I've found that most times you first and foremost strive to get out of strife. Okay, in other words, if you're going to put your energies towards something, let's put our energies toward avoiding strife, to eliminate strife. All right, now hang on. Here's another one. That was Proverbs 20 and verse 3, by the way. This one's Proverbs 17 and verse 14. It says, The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. And of course, that's out of the New King James, right? Stop contention before a quarrel starts. That's how it just kind of breaks it down. In other words, you know it's heading that direction. It's, it's a good thing just to stop it. Be done with that. Okay, now listen, here's some other translations in that verse. Again, Proverbs 17 and 14 in the New Living Translation says this, Starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. So stop before a dispute breaks out. That's pretty good, isn't it? The Amplified says the beginning of strife is as when water first trickles from a crack in a dam. You know, the, remember the little boy that put his finger in the dam to stop that little, the reason you, you know, that was the whole thing, you know, I think it was a little Dutch boy, you know, put his, his, his finger in the dike, you know, because there was a little leak, put that finger in there because they know it was just that little boy that saved the day because he put his little finger in that little leak because they know that little leak's going to turn into a big one if it keeps going, all right? And that's the idea of it, all right? Now, the same thing was you and me. You see that thing starting to trickle, Put your finger in that thing. Stop it down right now because that thing's going to bust open and we're going to have a major problem here. All right? That's what he's talking about. The beginning of strife is as when water first trickles from a crack in a dam. Therefore, stop contention before it becomes worse and quarreling breaks out. All right? It happens all the time. I mean, we see it all the time. All right? People just, it's like just, you had to go and say that. You, went, you just, well, I had to, I just, I just had to say that. Oh, yeah, you just had to. Now World War III just broke out because you, you, know, you, you just had to get it. You just had to say that, didn't you? You just, just had to cut them down again. You just had to level that person again. Yeah, that's going to help. You know what I mean? Well, I got that off my chest. Yeah, and now it could be, it could be you know, weeks or months or years to get that thing turned back around because you, you, all you want to do is just uh, you know, bicker. Okay, now listen to me. I'm telling you, like I said earlier, you don't shut this stuff down. All you're doing is giving place to the devil. I mean, that's what the devil wants. Now, he stands back while you guys are doing that kind of mess. He just stands back and laughs at you because it's funny to him because he got you all to quarrel because he knows a house divided will not stand. It just won't. It just ain't going to stand. All right. And Jesus brings that out, lets it be known. Amen. And the enemy knows that truth. Amen. So what he tries to do is get you divided, get you all caught up in Why do you think homes bust apart? Why do you think churches bust apart? Come on now, why businesses bust apart? Come on now, why do, why do nations bust apart? All comes out of this, this div divisive spirit, this you know, strife, and contention, dissension, discord, gets in the midst and just tears everybody apart. And the enemy just stands back and laughs at us. Come on now. So in order to walk in a place of maturity, you're going to have to steer clear of immaturity, which means you're going to have to avoid this kind of mess. The New Passion Translation of this Proverbs verse says this, Don't be one who is quick to quarrel, 
for an argument is hard to stop and you never know how it will end. So don't even start down that road. I like that. Don't even start down that road because you don't know how this thing's going to end. And it could be really, really bad. Like I said, there have been a many divorce happened because of this kind of stuff. Been a many family splits because of this kind of stuff. Okay. A lot of people don't even communicate with other people anymore because of this kind of stuff. And they, you know, they, they avoid each other. They're out there in the supermarket or in church or wherever they are, avoiding each other because of this kind of mess. And you think you're going to get the move of God with that kind of mess? Come on now. It ain't going to happen. Come on now. I'm talking about you got to let that stuff go. It isn't worth it. I'd rather have God on the scene. And listen, the thing that irritates you the most might go by the wayside if you just get God on the scene. That thing that, that, that you know, kind of jerks your chain. Come on now. That thing might just fall by the wayside if you just purpose to stay united. Come on now. We want God moving. Right? Come on now. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's go back up here. Back to 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 3 3 again. So we, we, we define carnal, envy, strife. Now here's the word division. Here's another one. Division means uh, disunion, disunion or disunity. Okay, another way of saying that. Dissension. And it literally means enmity over, over a difference. Okay, you just don't agree on something. Remember what we talked about earlier. Okay, it doesn't mean you have to all agree on every doctrine. It doesn't mean you have to agree on every verse and everything that happened. It doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. But you can walk in unity because why? Jesus is your Lord and God's your source. Amen. And you choose to grow up and not be immature. Amen. And sometimes it doesn't hurt you to listen to somebody once. Just let them, let them, let them share how they feel about that verse or about that subject or something. Okay. I mean, sometimes, okay, I get it. Sometimes uh, maybe they're just, uh, you know, uh, trying to stir, stir the pot or something. It could be, but I found if you do your part, stay in unison, you might be amazed at how fast it spreads. Remember, unity works for you or it can work against you. Okay. So remember that. Okay. You can unite for, for the right things or you can unite for the wrong things. And you think about this, you know, when somebody's trying to pick a fight with you and you just jump in and, you know, you unify with them to get in that fight, guess what? It ain't going to end pretty. It just ain't. I'm telling you. All right, now hang on. All right, so division, all right. It also means uh, uh, sedition, which means treason or betrayal, okay? So we talk about division, which, man, I could preach a sermon on that one. All right. Anyway, uh, I put the reference when I quoted earlier, Matthew 12 and 25. Okay, it says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. That's what Jesus said. Every kingdom divided. Okay, so that doesn't matter what it is. Every kingdom. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We're talking about your home, your family, your church, your state, your nation. Doesn't matter. We're talking about the king, the body of Christ as a whole. I'm telling you what, if the body of Christ would unite, they'd run everything. That's a fact. But we just can't get them to unite. Okay, well, maybe I should say we're starting to get them to unite. Come on now. Amen. We're all going to do our part. Amen. To stay united. If we can unite, we could run it all. We can make sure we get this thing done, get the kingdom out, get, get the gospel out, get this kingdom expanding. Praise God. The kingdom of light shining brighter and brighter. Praise God. Amen. And guess what? The darkness has got to go when the light's on. Come on. But you got to get people united. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I thought this is worthy of bringing out too. Hallelujah. And that is this in verse, uh, at the end of the verse here, it says, and behaving like mere men. Behaving, conducting life, that means like mere men. Okay. Behaving like mere men it means walking according to man or as an unchanged man. Now this word mere, okay, it means confined by a boundary. The word mere means confined by a boundary or to a boundary. It refers to walls of containment or limitations. When anytime you see that where it says, you know, referring to like as a mere man or mere something, okay, it's referring to, it's, it's, it's confining it. Walls of containment, limitations. Nobody wants to just be a mere man, okay? And I've had a lot of people say, well, you know, we're just all normal people. Well, really we're not. I mean, I understand why they're saying it that way. What? But we're not. Not in God, you're not. And you got the greater one on the inside. Don't make you normal. All right? And you ain't mere. I'll tell you that with you. 
You're, you're connected to one that's unlimited and you're trying to limit yourself by just acting like a mere man, by, by living in envy and strife and division and contention, dissension. When you do that kind of stuff, you just, you just, you just shrunk yourself down. And that's why Paul was saying there's a difference between maturity and immaturity. And immaturity is when you go down that road of strife and contention and dissension and discord. When you go down that road of division, all right, and uh, you just act not now like a mere man. You're acting like a, a man that's limited, a, in a sense, an unchanged, a man without God. You're, you're not acting like somebody that's got the greater one on the inside. See, it isn't worth it, child of God. It isn't worth it getting in strife and contention. And I'm a pastor of a church, and I got people coming in every day that I don't agree with. You think, oh, pastor, you shouldn't say that. Listen, there are people come in all the time that say things I don't agree with. But if I want the Spirit of God to move in this church, I got to be willing to pray for them and not get caught up in all the, the, the division and get caught up in the things I don't agree with. Amen. I find the thing we can agree on. I encourage them and move them forward. Amen. And hopefully if you get enough God moving in their life, all the stuff that is a negative, that maybe needs to be addressed or grown up or made different. Come on, somebody. It starts changing. Or at least it gives me an opportunity someday down the road where maybe the, the, there's a place there to say something or call something out on the carpet and address it. Amen. But to just get caught up in all the strife and the division and contention, it isn't worth it. It's never worth it. It doesn't have good endings. All right? And then all of a sudden... We got the devil laughing at us again. And I'm telling you, that, that's what annoys me, is when I know the enemy's laughing at us. Okay? Now you got, my, you got my dander up. Come on now. All right, so now that's what I'm saying. is I don't want that. So I don't want to yield to the enemy. I don't want to yield to immaturity. I don't want to yield to just being some mere, unchanged, limited individual who has the potential of doing great things, but we can't get you out of this immature state. Ooh, a lot said in that statement. Hope you heard it. Amen. Come on now. Now, again, we ain't condemning anybody. We're just telling you, you got to understand why you want to steer clear division. All right. And why we want to walk in one accord. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. Uh, let's do this. We're going to go make one more reference. Let's go to Romans chapter 15. And I know we've been doing a study in Acts, but this really is, to me, it's, that's why it says the things it says in Acts. Amen. That's why they had the power of God moving in Acts, okay, is because they made a decision to unite, to stay unified in unison without, come on now, without discord or without division. Come on now. Amen. That's why I want to steer clear of it. Okay, this is in Romans 15 this time. And uh, verse 5, please. Romans 15, in verse 5, says this, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you, come on now, to be like-minded. This is what it's talking about, being like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus. So, in other words, that's why he throws that in there, because if it's according to Christ Jesus, that means you can be then. You can be like-minded toward one another. Even though you might have whole different past, whole different backgrounds, whole different you know, financial status, educational status, uh, different color, different race, different... I mean, we could have all those kind of other things that are different, but when it's, here we go, according to Christ Jesus, amen, it makes it easy then to be, here we go, like-minded toward one another. Praise God. It's just the facts. Amen. Why? Because the way we unite, amen, is... Jesus is our Savior, our Lord, right? He's our, amen, He's our, our uh, Lord and Savior, and God is our source, and we're all purposing to go higher and grow. We can unite right around that, praise God. Amen. Verse 5, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that, verse 6, now that you may with one mind, with one mouth, amen, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. With one mind and one mouth. If you remember, the definition of being with one accord uh, means to be with one mind, one purpose, one voice. Remember that. Amen. So that's what he's talking about here in Romans 15, about coming together as one. Amen. It's key. Listen, no matter how you cut it, 
Okay, no matter how you look at this thing. Okay, I'm talking to individuals now. I got, you know, people in our church, and, and you can have, you know, I don't know how many folks we got in our church. I don't know, maybe a few hundred folks. I don't know what we got in here. But the point is this. Uh, they can, it doesn't matter how many you got. You, you could have, you know, 100 people, and you're going to have 100 people with, with different opinions, 100 people with different backgrounds, 100 people with a different viewpoint on something. Come on now. 100 people with a different look at that verse. I mean, you have the same verse and all have a different, a little bit different, uh, you know, translation of it, so to speak. Okay. Their own little kick on it, you know, their own little, uh, you know, own little uh, corner on how they see things, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is this, okay. It doesn't matter how long you go in this thing. It's always going to be that way because people are always at a different place in their walk. But the key is this. If you can remember, Jesus is your Lord. God is your source. Amen. And I purpose to grow. When you got that working, you can connect. You can unite. Amen. You could be a one mind, one purpose, one voice. Come on now. You could be like-minded. Come on. What was that first verse there? Like-minded, right? Toward one another. Like-minded toward one another. You could be that way. And if you can do that, I guarantee you, you'll get God moving in, in, their, in your midst. Praise God. Anyway, this is a key I felt was very necessary to get a hold of. Um, you know, especially through the study of the book of Acts. There's so many great principles that we're going to grab hold of. Uh, but uh, to me, uh, being of one accord is one you definitely got to gotta get a hold of. Amen. It's a, it is a huge key in our walk in God if we're going to walk in a place of maturity. Praise God. I hope you got something. Father, I give praise and glory once again, again, for the just opening the eyes of our understanding. Amen. I thank you. We've got a, uh, an ear to hear it, a heart to receive it, praise God. And you're showing us things, revealing things, praise God. And for that, I give you praise. And Father, I thank you for all those that heard today. Uh, thank you, Lord. They're all growing up, choosing the higher road. Hallelujah. Choosing the ways of God in an area of unity. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO Victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.